Hi, this is Tracy. You are listening to Teletalk. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the second episode of Teletalk with Tracy, my friend Tracy Ball. So I uh, just want to, there you go, drinking his morning coffee. Uh, so I just want to um, hope that all of you, your near family and extended family, are doing well, staying happy and safe and healthy in these continuing to be strange times. So um, this is our second episode of Teletalk, and uh, the first episode really seems to have taken off. Um, I've received feedback from people actually all over the country um, on that first episode, and I am so happy to uh, receive your feedback in whatever form you might like to send that. And based on that, uh, Tracy and I have reworked a few things Uh, The format you'll see is a slight bit different, and because it's taken off um, so much, it's going to have a a channel on Spotify. So you're going to be able to find uh, Teletalks in the audio podcast version format on Spotify, and it's one word, T-E-L-E-T-A-L-K, Teletalk. And And it will be also coming up on apple Podcasts as soon as they approve it they just take a little longer okay apple Podcasts and spotify teletalk you'll see our logo um trace will show that to you in a minute he's done some cool graphics and um done really well at getting the word out here so um the both of all of those modifications are based on feedback that we got from you guys so we are so happy to receive that feedback and make this as useful to you as possible. Um, People also ask that there might be like one slide from time to time that sort of overviews what we're talking about in each section. And so we've taken that to heart too. And Tracy will share his screen from time to time and you'll see a little outline of what we're gonna talk about there. So um, enough about that. Uh, Let me reintroduce you to my good friend, Tracy Ball, who works for the firm Enable My Child, which is a a private practice firm that does telepractice. Tracy's been doing it for years. I think of him as my go-to guru on the topic, and so that's why he has joined me here. Forgot to tell you on the last episode that he's also um, on ASHA's telepractice convention program committee, so he'll be reviewing the um, the submissions for the telepractice track at the ASHA convention. So that's that's really cool. So Tracy, do you have anything to say you'd like to say before we get started? Uh, not in particular, just uh, excited to get started and, and really get more feedback from everyone. And um, yeah, not, not, nothing specific or special to start off, just ready to jump in. Excellent. So maybe you could show that first slide. Uh, so this episode is gonna be really about how to get started with your telepractice. Um, Since lots of people, some people have already gotten started, but lots of people are just getting started. And there's a really cool logo that Tracy created, Teletalk uh, on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So then 
this one has our little Spotify logo at the top right. Yeah. And so you'll be able to listen to this really anywhere you want to the, listen to podcasts as well as uh, download and, and you know give us feedback on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever. We'll put some links up on Perry's website and um, you know make it easy for you guys to access. If you don't want to sit in front of a computer or a screen, you can just put it on your headphones like I like to do and walk around and, you know, kind of take care of your business and, you know, get a little information and, and maybe find some ways to engage that way. So I'll, uh, I'll try to get Perry all the links so that everybody can access it however they want. And it'll be, as Tracy said, it'll be in the COVID section of my uh, website. And if you don't know my website, just Google search my name, Perry, P-E-R-R-Y, Flynn, F-L-Y-N-N. It'll get you there. Um, okay, so the next slide, Tracy, that overviews. So we're going to talk about um, really how to set up your uh, serving students through telepractice at the LEA level. And uh, the, the first thing that you're going to need to consider is the platform um, on which you are going to provide these services. And we talked to you a little bit the last time about that, at least in speech-language pathology, our Board of Examiners has released um, some of the constraints about HIPAA compliance, but we want you to surely choose something that you and your LEA feel like are safe and as confidential as possible to preserve the confidentiality of the privateness of the services that you're providing. Um, so. Uh, Sometimes we leave out the regular education department, but your LEA likely has um, a regular education technology department, and they will know all about uh, you know what the platforms that you have available are, and you may be paying your LEA may be paying for a HIPAA compliant platform, and so you know take advantage of that, use it. Um, all, all this to say again, especially at the LEA level, that your directors of exceptional children are your go-to people. The leadership in your LEA, um, we don't want you to act as, um, as lone rangers and be doing all this and determining this, these kinds of things yourself. It is, um, it is for you and your director to work out together or, or your directors of exceptional children. The leadership in the exceptional children's department may have made all of these decisions already. And uh, if, if you haven't received that communication, you might reach out to them as you're starting to set up your telepractice. So the technology hardware, and Tracy might be able to talk to you a little bit more about the technology hardware. But um, you know you'll need some of that, obviously, to um, to get going with your telepractice. Uh, so, Tracy. Yeah, definitely. I want to back up a minute and touch on what Perry had discussed um, regarding the first two bullet points of platform and the regular ed technology department, and expand on that because um, focusing on process and integration and implementation of the process of really taking technology and embedding that into like a legacy program where you've kind of always done this um, similar, you know, fashion over the last, you know, 10, 20 years. What's really important is if you could touch on all the stakeholders, whether that be, you know, teachers, administrators, regular ed, special ed, all the 
you know, the, the teams and figure out exactly what is the process now and map how technology may or may not change that process. If you can do that successfully and the team that you're working with understands that successfully, it's a very simple process. Um, it's actually, it's not simple. It sounds simple, but it's, it's harder once you get the team involved. But what happens is you actually learn how to, in some ways, improve the process because technology is usually pretty good at trying to it, it, at making certain things easier. Now, some people find it difficult to use technology, but a lot of times technology is good at changing and improving a process. And so there may be ways to automate There may be um, very simple mechanisms by which everybody can use technology um, to improve a process. And when you when you're doing it from that programmatic level, then it's going to trickle down um, into other programs. And so I would try to, you know, I'd recommend trying to do that at your at your level with your direct um, teams and then seeing how other teams are interacting and you may be able to share what you've learned and expand on that throughout your school or your district um, accordingly. Um, an excellent point, Tracy, um, that those regular education technology people have that knowledge. Like that's what they're there for is to know that knowledge, how, how those systems, what systems are in place and how those systems can really work for you They, um, you know, some people have been using this kind of technology or similar technology for a good, a good deal of time now, and we're just employing it to provide the related services now. So, so those people, your regular ed tech people, probably have a wealth of knowledge, experience, um, some cautions for you to do mm -hmm. don'ts that that are specific to your lea so really um reach out and use those people yeah and, and there some leas may be more flexible with platforms or processes uh, others may be very strict on what you're allowed to use and what you're not allowed to use and that actually makes your job easier just understanding where they stand and then that allows you to you know navigate around that or, or with you know that information um and so There's, you know, there's oftentimes barriers, but the, the barriers seem more daunting than they really are once you kind of dig in and start start working on them. Um, and, and there may be other people in your organization or that you work with who may have overcome these barriers already. So I really, you know, I really like to try and ex use, use this as an opportunity to expand and improve our process. And I know we've talked about that on the first session as well on the first episode. Um, but you know, that, that's, that's kind of in general, how I view things. Perry, did you, did I, did you want me to touch on the technology hardware piece yeah, now? I mean, yeah. Go ahead um, the so yeah. technology hardware is really, to me, one of the least important components of this whole thing. Technology has improved quite a bit, obviously, as long as you have a piece of technology that has a camera and speakers and audio and it connects to the internet and you can you can make the telehealth connection sufficient where it's not dropping the calls or it's so laggy that you can't see or hear as long as there's a sufficient connection you can see in here my view is the actual hardware piece is one of the one of the least important people get hung up on do i have the right technology do i have the right this and that it's really to me once again my experience more about 
can I integrate this new technology and this new mode of communication into an, a legacy ecosystem that is traditionally not used tele? And so to me, that's the most important. Now, when you run into the next bullet point, which is parent access to technology, it does become more important because some parents have zero access to technology or the internet. That is a huge barrier. And that is one that as a speech therapist, you probably aren't going to be able to overcome yourself unless you're really good at writing grants and, you know, finding money. Um, if you are, please give me a call. <laughs> um, so, so that, that, honestly, that's my philosophy on that. I know that a lot of people are starting to share that philosophy because in the past it was all about, you have to have the highest tech, the most current piece of equipment. And now it's less about that and more about, do you just have a connection? Can we integrate this into a program? That's, that's how I see it. Yeah. Um, and, and your LEAs are really working hard. They are writing grants. They are seeking money from um, private companies to provide the technology to students in their own homes and uh, trying to get hotspots, portable hotspots and things like that to um, get kids um, who don't have access to these kinds of technology, all that kind of access. So you can provide those services. So uh, as Tracy said, I don't know that that is something that we have too much control over, but your your LEAs are really working um, on loaner devices, hotspots, all that kind of stuff to get every kid equal access. Um, the equity issue uh, within LEAs and across LEAs in the state of North Carolina is is high priority right now because um, there's such a vast difference in kids' accessibility and availability for for this kind of service delivery. So, um, what what advice do you have for us about tools and prep for the family, Tracy? So there are a number of tools and resources that are essentially technology and or connection checklists. The state of Colorado does a really good job. They were probably one of the not only first adopters and early adopters, but they've done it a little bit more. I'm trying to think how to describe it. They've essentially, in my mind, done what other states should have been doing, which is they've they've made a lot of changes over the past year or two to their process and their programs. And they've allowed providers such as you know speech therapists and OTs and PTs and, and other instructional staff to essentially leverage technology in order to better serve their students and their families that they work with. And so if you go to the state of Colorado's website, for uh, both schools and early intervention, you'll find a plethora of information on how to utilize technology um, in a telehealth fashion. And also you could Google search um, technology acceptance model, which I mentioned last time. And sort of related to that, you could, you could Google search um, technology checklist or prep checklist and so if you you'll find all kinds of things on pinterest and and in lots of the facebook groups about 
you know, what's a good checklist to be sure that families have the technology they need. I have a couple that I could try to add to the notes. So I'll make a note of that. Maybe we could put that a link to that, or we could just put it up in the notes or on your website, Perry. Okay. That'd be great. Sort of a tele-session um, pre-checklist. Yeah, that'd be really nice. Um, so we're going to talk a lot about the family because uh, as I told you in the first episode, I'm doing telepractice for the first time myself in serving a classroom of students with intellectual disabilities that would be coming to the equestrian therapy program if, if we were in our usual times, but we have uh, figured out a way to serve them as a class. And um, every time I provide a session with my graduate students in this, I, I um, learn more about how incredibly important the family is, um, the, the sort of telepractice facilitators, which are the moms or siblings in the home. Um, so we're gonna talk increasingly more about how to prepare the family, how to better include the family. I think it provides us a tremendous opportunity in this time um, where we in the schools for school age kids haven't typically had a lot of contact with families and now we're going into their homes, you, you know, every time you serve a child, student. So, um, so I think providing them with the resources and tools is a really useful so Tracy a checklist for families to be prepared for our telesessions would, would be super helpful yeah. yes and there's also a early intervention website that has some pretty good resources it's, it's actually based in North Carolina called FIP F-I-P-P FIP.org and they have some great resources on all things early intervention but they they also use a pretty healthy amount of um of, of information just geared to family engagement and helping people understand how to utilize telehealth in a natural environment. So worth a shot there for everybody, especially since we're all delivering services in the home right now. Yeah, great. So um, we've already sort of talked about what your LEA is doing for people that don't have network access. That's probably an issue that is above the individual speech-language pathologist, but um, you will certainly want to keep yourself abreast of those developments because as things change and as parents get technology in the home, it, it may become possible for you to serve some kids who have not had it. So you'll um, certainly want to keep abreast of what your LEA is doing for those kids who um, didn't have access before and um, start including them on your workloads as, as access becomes available for them. Um, and then uh, one more thing that is sort of above your level but you'll need to keep in touch with is most LEAs are not providing like a full day of regular education services. They are providing maybe 50% of the day. If, if they are in fact providing direct services, which increasingly more your districts are, um, they might be providing 50% of the regular education day, which means that you will probably provide 50% of the IEP time that you would have provided 
had they been in the brick and mortar school. So make sure that you are in touch with your director of exceptional children about those kinds of things, how much time, um, how much IEP time is really appropriate to, um, to serve students in this time when, when they are not receiving probably the full day of regular education. So Tracy, I think we're ready to move on to the next slide to talk about the school level consideration. Okay. I'm sure you're going to get a lot of questions on that last topic, Perry. Yeah. Uh, you know, just, just really be, I, I can't tell you how much uh, service you will provide in the proportionate share to what your district is providing in regular education. That is a district level decision. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, the powers that be will, will have to help determine that, but, but it should be proportionate to what regular education is providing. Do you think there's going to be formal guidance on that? That rolls so, out at some point? Yeah. So we, in, uh, in all the guidance, that is on my website, the Q and A documents in the COVID section of my website provides uh, that kind of guidance that I have just talked to you about. It It is not from the State Department to determine how much mm. regular education school districts are gonna provide. It is up to, in a site-based management state like we are, it is up to the district to determine both those things, how much regular education is, is being provided and how much special education is being provided. So wow. um, so that that guidance, exactly what I just said, in much more um, policy and monitoring appropriate terms is, is on that written guidance on my website. I think that would be a really interesting topic to get people's feedback on to see exactly you know, maybe they could do it anonymously if they don't want to be, you know, uh, putting themselves out there or their districts. But it would be interesting to know how different districts are responding to this and how the special, educa special education and regular education programs are able to coordinate or the or, or not or lack of coordination um, is OK, too, because this is a you know, unprecedented time. I think it would be very interesting to get feedback from our listeners on that. So, um, just something maybe I'll, I'll jot down to think about. To and so one more thing, some school districts up until this point have chosen to do no direct instruction in right. regular education, but rather provide like work packets and stuff like that. So it is appropriate that special education be doing the same thing. Some school districts are not providing direct instruction through telepractice. And most of what you and I are talking about um, is pertinent to direct instruction. But the last slide or two of, of today's um, teletalk is gonna be about if you are not providing direct instruction, what are you gonna do mm -hmm. if you're just providing packets or um, consultative kind of services to parents? Okay. So, Okay, I'll move this along. I'll stop asking you questions. No, that's okay. all right. It's great. Uh, school level. You, you know, your questions are probably the same as everybody else's questions. Yeah, so uh, at the school level here, this, this has just occurred to me in the services that we've been providing to that high school class. 
Um, I think IEPs are functioning more like IFSPs these days, um, that, that we are much more including families and some direct instruction to families about how to work with and how to facilitate communication for their um, children at home. And again, I think that provides like um, a, an amazing opportunity for us that we don't typically have when we are providing services in the brick and mortar school. Um, the, the one student that we serve is an augmented communication user and his mom is becoming so much better at being an aided communication uh, facilitator in this whole thing um, just because we're being able to instruct her while the sessions are going on in in how to be a communication partner an aided communication partner for that particular um, student so that that is fantastic it, it's an amazing um golden opportunity that we are really trying to seize. So, and if um, if people haven't been connecting with teachers um, before in the, in the schools, the brick and mortar schools, this provides, I think, also a great opportunity to uh, sit at home and send a teacher an email about the themes that they might be providing direct instruction on and using that kind of curriculum and those themes in the therapy services that you're providing. And you know, you, you may not be able to tailor the theme that is going on in regular education to every child that you're seeing, but you know, if, um, if the third graders are studying uh, geography, you could make a geography lesson that would work for third graders and second graders and kindergartners and the whole thing. And maybe this week you're going to operate on sort of the third grade curriculum. And maybe next week you'll operate on the kindergarten curriculum and, um, you know, talk about uh, sanitation kinds of things that kindergartners talk about, uh, like washing hands and all really appropriate kinds of things right now. So, um, it, it provides a great opportunity to really connect with teachers if you have not done that about what is going on in their class and what kinds of things they have sent home um, in, in the work packets or the homework kinds of things that you can just play off of and, and they may grant you access to those cloud-based drives, Google drives, so you can yeah. see I, I think this is a golden opportunity. So I, I, I was trying to wait patiently. I'm sorry for cutting you off. Yeah, go ahead. And I, I also turned the camera back on because uh, um, I felt like those two bullet points we were talking, I feel like we could, we could make an entire episode just about this, you know, these two bullet points. Absolutely. To me, this is one of the most important aspects of this whole COVID-19 crisis with, you know, following the theme again, how do you how do you take an opportunity that's been presented to us to go digital overnight and maybe move our our programs three, four, five years ahead of where they would have been had this not happened? Because now we have this golden opportunity. How do we, in a succinct manner, communicate with all the stakeholders, parents, students, educators, therapists, you know, district? How do we get everybody in the same 
in the same room, you know, whether that's digital or real, and and how do we communicate in a way that's that that provides the student with the most um, the the best possible outcome, right? My my feeling is that in a lot of areas, this whole crisis, while it is painful and and extremely sad to see, um, there are some positive aspects we can pull from it. And this is going to be one of them is that at the school level, there are going to be innovations that occur on the ground in the trenches that are going to improve student outcomes tremendously. And one of those is going to be this bridge you're talking about between school and home. It's very easy to to separate them, but right now it's impossible, right? Um, And so Eventually, it'll be some sort of mixture of this, but I think going forward, schools are going to be able to engage families at a higher level with higher quality engagement. And this combination of an IEP slash IFSP, that whole concept is music to my ears. I, I love the concept of both of these. I love the concept of combining them even more. So I I've always thought parent feedback, parent comment, parent engagement within the IFSP process is so critical to why it's so successful. And I always, there's, there's a, there's a totally different feel when you're in an IEP meeting than there is when you're in an IFSP meeting. And so I think finding a way to, to make that less about us and them or or school and fan and parent and more about um, you know, student is is going to be paramount to the success of education in the future because there's no doubt this is going to change how we interact. Giving a student an assignment and standing over them and waiting for them to do it is not an option right now for a teacher or a therapist unless you're you're doing a direct face-to-face um, tele-intervention. One of the benefits here is that we're going to be able to pick the brains of these parents and get their engagement to determine what is it that you do want to work on because here's the goals for your child. Here are the developmental milestones are supposed to be. Here are the educational goals. These are the things we need to work on. Here's some assignment and here's kind of what I suggest you do. If you want to take this to the next level or use your own materials or resources, I want to see what you're able to come up with. Now we're, we're at a completely different level of engagement and education in curriculum and global development, everything. And so I, I think the connection um, between practical and curriculum is going to give opportunities to students to learn in ways that maybe they hadn't had that opportunity to learn in before. So I'm, I'm very excited about the opportunity here. I don't want us to squander it though. I want people to really use this as an opportunity and not just, um, you know, complain maybe that they don't have the same access that they used to. Cause it's, it's much harder to innovate and sustain that innovation and create something that, um, that you can use in the future than it is to just create something you can use now. I really hope this creates innovation that lasts, that's sustainable. So I, I can totally see, you know, when kids come back to school, parents saying, oh, I miss you coming to my house every day. And I, I miss seeing the speech services that you, I felt so connected to what you did with my kid. You know, how, how can we better be connected when you're seeing my student in in the speech room or however services are being delivered in the school, 
I, I think parents are becoming much more involved in the therapy that's happening for their school-age kids, which, which is this A, silver lining to um, what's going on right now. So I, I think unless you have anything else to say, I think that's a good segue into service delivery options, which is our next slide. I'm presenting the slide now. Sorry, it took me a minute. No, no problem. So I'll, I'll move on while you uh, yep. bring it up. There we go. So classroom-based services are, are typically, uh, you know, some what some of you are providing, going into people's classrooms. And uh, essentially that is the kind of service that we are providing at that for that high school class. The high school class, all the students get on at the same time and we do a session for everybody. And um, so it is possible to do, I, I think the majority of you are doing the individual sessions probably some of you small group and the smallest portion at classroom-based service delivery. But, um, you know, it, it may be easier, maybe logistically less complicated to provide those services in a classroom. So I, it's working really well for me and my graduate students. If, um, if it's something that is an option for you, I would, I would investigate it. Uh, small groups, certainly people are doing that. I know, uh, you know, we've encouraged you to collect informed consent for those kinds of service delivery groups and having parents, you know, acknowledge that uh, what goes on in the group is confidential and that, that you don't want to be talking about what goes on in the group or other students in the group. Um, at other times. And then certainly individual sessions are really nice to provide, um, uh, you know, one-on-one -on -one through telepractice, um, including the parent. And, and there are lots of opportunities there to um, provide some direct instruction to the parents about how to uh, facilitate language. I think certainly in small groups there are too, maybe a bit less in a classroom environment um, when there are so many students available uh, that you're instructing at, at one time, but you could uh, do a little bit at the beginning or the end of that session that is directed at parents on how to continue to facilitate those goals throughout the week. And, and I think parents are, as we said in the last episode, really starving for anything that you can help them um, do that's going to occupy the time of kids during the week. And especially if it is productive, sort of goal-oriented um, time that, that occupies time in a productive, functional way. Mm -hmm. So I have a couple of thoughts on this. Um, my first thought traces back to the conversation we had in episode one around some tips and in individual sessions and planning, things of that nature. When you're operating in a classroom or a small group session, you still have to plan with those stakeholders, parents, teachers, educators, staff. The objective may be different in a classroom-based session, then it may be an individual session, but you do want to make sure that the people in that 
classroom or the small group understand what you're doing, why you're doing it, and what the follow-up is next. Because say you're in a classroom-based session and you speak to that teacher and the whole reason you're there is because the teacher wants your feedback on how to help navigate the situation with a student who may be disruptive or off topic or having trouble focusing or participating. And, and you know that this is your, your student and you're able to provide strategies. So understanding that that teacher is going to want to follow up and trying to make it as structured as possible with a form or however you as a, you know, as the educator and the professional are working together, really important to make sure that there's a way for you all to sort of disseminate this information that you've learned in this session to the other people that need that information. So it may be other teachers. It may be that first you've got to figure out what your structure is between you and the teacher or you and the and understanding how that's going to be used in the next session. And are we going to track this? Are we going to monitor this? Is this something that the parents know about? So you're going to be able to ask the parent to do the same strategy not in the classroom, whenever they're doing, you know, cooking food, getting ready to go to the store, or, or maybe not go to the store at this point, but going somewhere if they can. Bedtime routine. Right. right. Um, the idea, in my opinion, is that the more focused you can make the, the upfront work, the more strategic you can be after the objectives and, and after the observation, because that's going to be immensely valuable to that teacher and that student, which then in turn will create a positive feedback loop. So everybody then will want that interaction and will work harder to maintain it, which is what we all want to figure out how to raise the, the potential of the student and the, in the environment so that everybody's meeting their, their potential. So in my opinion, I, I really, really want um, people to try to front load some of this work and plan and, and program and be a little bit more structured. Now, obviously don't drive people crazy. I've been known to try too hard to front load and, and sometimes I get pushback from teachers or staff. And so we do have to learn what's what's the what way do they need the information? And I may have to do, you know, a little bit of, of work on my end to to accommodate that. So that's totally fine especially if you're a related service and you're serving the primary. Um, just a few food for thought items there. Love to hear feedback on that. Um, so some of you know that I've really spent a career being a proponent of collaboration between uh, teachers and speech language pathologists and about serving kids in the least restrictive environment, providing services in classrooms. So this you know this is an opportune time if if you haven't taken the leap into that kind of service delivery to do it and i i did forget to mention on that slide the work of marilyn friend uh she's a special educator she is not a speech language pathologist but she's done lots of work on um the models of how special education can collaborate with regular education and um, some of those models lend themselves really well to telepractice. Some of them don't. Like the center's approach would be really difficult to do in a classroom um, with 
uh, with telepractice. It, it could happen. I am thinking right now about how it could happen, a center's approach, but it would be really difficult. Um, but anyway, if you want to check out service delivery models of collaboration, Maryland Friend, and um, there are uh, actually that work is on my website too. So, so Perry, the center's approach real quick, that, that revolves around having groups of students travel around to centers yes. that have been pre-set up. To, right. to, okay. One really cool strategy there is to um, create a center at home uh -huh. yes. or multiple centers at home and have the parent video that and send to you if they want, or sure. they could, you could essentially have a small group set up centers that are similar, you know, reading, um, you know, maybe like, like uh, craft or art, something movement wise, like yoga that Perry mentioned before, there may be ways to, for as a, as a facilitator of that service, a therapist, I may be actually able to facilitate multiple groups at one time going through centers. And as they have questions, I could answer them as a facilitator. I could have two or three different um, children in separate locations doing their own groups. And I could essentially interact with all of them. Yeah. Um, and one I, know, of, yeah. I know that um, some of the platforms have the availability to like for kids to enter different rooms sort of um, during during an online session. So I, I can see where the speech pathologist would be in the speech room. And you could say, um, Susie, Joey, Jacob, and Juan, go, uh, you know, click into the speech room now. Um, I, I don't know how to do that technology myself, but I know it exists. Yeah, I was even thinking more functional than that, not even that high tech, whereas you just have multiple people on this, you know, video call right. and they've, you've already worked with the family to set up their centers and yeah. you are essentially coaching the family or the parent to successfully help that child navigate these centers, right? right. And, and then I, that would be a skill they could take and, and do other times of the day, other days that when you're not around, which is very valuable to that parent. Sure. Let's everybody go to the kitchen right now. And yeah. here, let me, let me instruct you in how to facilitate language in the kitchen. There are so many sequence activities. And yeah, I, I get that. That could be a very centers-based approach in, yep. in the home. Yeah, a, a great idea. So um, maybe we should move on to scheduling and collaboration. Okay, let me and again, bring that up. We've, we've talked about this a good deal. I, I won't spend a lot of time on this slide, but um, you know, scheduling I know is a uh, is a challenge for many of you trying to see your whole workloads and also you know for like five hours a day sitting in front of a computer like this i've i've certainly heard that 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 is challenging for you just session after session after session in front of a computer with little time to get up and move around and interact with people but um so we hope that you are going to collaborate with all these people we've uh, we've really talked a good deal about this slide. Parents right at the top of that list. Um, parents are gonna be such important collaborators for you right now. And as I said in the first session, they 
they are going to make or break your sessions um, as facilitators with students at home. So um, teachers can really help you out with curriculum, uh, be in touch with them if they're available to you. The other related service providers, if OT or PT are being provided through telepractice, um, you know, they, they are some of our best friends and collaborators in, um, in the brick and mortar schools. So don't leave them out of the picture here, you know, um, be in touch with them if you can about things that you see students doing or not doing in the home and um, a, a tremendous opportunity to collaborate. Uh, that first slide, we talked to you about really catching up with your regular education technology people. We talked about it at the LEA level, but um, as you get deeper and deeper into your telepractice, you may have technology questions or you may come up with ideas that they need to problem solve for you. And so you may need to continue to be in touch with your regular education technology people um, on an ongoing basis to problem solve with you and help you uh, be more innovative in the kinds of services you're providing virtually. Uh, Tracy, do you have anything to add to that? Or do you have any other people that I may have left out as collaborators here? I'm sure there's more, but I don't really have anything added to this particular slide at this point because I feel like we've touched on all this, so I'm, I'm happy to move to the next. Yeah, I am too. So parent training, you know, if, if there's any theme that has been continuously recurring for us in these talks, it, it is parent involvement. And so, again, if, if you, I think parents are really interested in doing uh, right by their kids during this time at home. And so I, I think many of them will, will be very receptive, perhaps re more receptive than they've ever been to you providing some direct instruction for them in how to work with their kids. So, um, and, and I told you in the first session, I think that is something I wish I had done differently before my first session um, with that classroom is to provide a, a private parent training session on what to look for, what the expectations will be in our sessions at home and get some feedback from them about what they hope we will accomplish by coming into their homes and providing these teleservices. So I, I wish I had done that parent training component up front. We, we are continuing to do it on a daily basis with all the sessions that we provide, but, um, but all these things, uh, their expectations, how to use the technology, um, what the session's gonna look like, a sort of outline that is, is gonna come up in a slide in a minute or two, how to be really potent facilitators of communication um, and um, how to be aided communication partners, either parents and or siblings. Um, most of the kids that we are seeing have siblings in the home and, and they too could be in on those direct instruction sessions, um, how to be facilitators of their siblings communication throughout the week. Tracy? I think you touched on most of that. Um, and I've, I know I've talked about this at length already, so I don't think I need to belabor it, but um, 
I think, you know, just allowing people to understand what the purpose is and how this is going to work and, and really not taking anything for granted. Yeah, great. So we could move on to the session structure now. So, uh, you know, you guys probably have an outline of how your sessions will go. This is, this is what I have um, really encouraged my graduate students to follow as a session outline for these teletherapy sessions. We've had the students all greet each other, um, not just us, but say hello to their friends in the classroom. That's That's gone really well. Um, a little catch up or progress monitoring. The parents, we've asked the parents so far to take a video of their student doing some activity during the week and then be prepared to tell about that um, to their friends and that has worked really well the the kids are loving seeing themselves on the screen and telling their friends about what um, the the way that we've accomplished that is the parents have taken a video like on their iPhones and sent it to us and we've uploaded it in a, a Google Drive and then one of the graduate students just accesses that Google Drive and plays that video for everybody to see and um, you know, we don't tell them what order it's gonna come in, so it's a kind of fun surprise and then they get to tell about it and it's it's been really fun. Um, a statement about the theme of the sessions. All of our sessions are um, theme-based and dictated by the teacher of the classroom. We follow absolutely the curriculum in that. And so we tell about that and try to relate it back to something that the teacher has provided direct instruction on. Um, we remind everybody, including the parents, about the goals of the session and the goals of each activity. So on a very meta cognitive level, even those kids with intellectual disabilities know about what the theme is and what the goal expectations are. So when we uh, get into the, the exact activities, we talk to the, um, the parents about coaching um, and how they can be aided, facilitated, aided facilitators of communication. Um, that's gone really well. Those parents are super motivated to help their kids. And the one augmented communication user, um, his his mom is is being a great um, aided facilitated um, aided communication partner. So um, we have received feedback from the parents and we've made some observations that we can provide to them. We, we really are trying to foster much more of a two-way communication kind of system than would be going on if we were just seeing the students in the classroom. We recap the plan and uh, recap the objectives of each session. Um, and help the parents plan to carry those over throughout the week if necessary. The, the parents are getting really good at knowing how to make that happen during the week. Um, of course, we've collected materials, resources, assignments, um, and those are going into a, a Google Drive, again, that same Google Drive that everyone can access and uh, parents are you know, reporting to us that they are going to that drive and using some of those materials. Um, 
and you may be uh, periodically available to parents. Parents have not taken advantage of that with us throughout the week, the parents that we're seeing, but um, some of you might be available for periodic or asynchronous progress monitoring with the parents that you're talking with or providing some feedback or being on call as, um, as consultants to them. Uh, you know, I do not give out my personal phone number to people to text me but there are ways, my professional email address, I would be happy to give to people. I think most parents, Tracy and I talked about this, most parents um, are, are just really appropriate communicators with, with you um, throughout the week. And they um, might ask a question about how to facilitate communication in particular environments, but um, have not been excessive communicators. Mm -hmm. Tracy, um, what other ideas do you have here? Well, I think just to kind of go backwards from where you ended, Google Classroom does a good job of helping people navigate the assignments and communication and materials and resources, all those types of things. So if your LEA uses Google Classroom or Google as an email client, then you, you may have some tools at your disposal there. It can be a little tricky to learn how to use it first. And there's another you know, thing to teach your parents, but it is a nice way to communicate with them without having to give them your direct contact information because you, you're able to, to do a lot of communication and share a lot of information in a private manner that, that you know, works well for everyone without divulging you know, secure kind of personal or confidential information. Um, to, to recap what Perry was, was saying, I, you know, Perry and I came up with this session structure based on what we thought would, would be helpful. There may be other session structures that people have that are also more helpful. Yeah. One of the, one of the, the bullet points that I wanted to touch on was the goals related to the theme. And so Perry was mentioning in his program, they've got a theme of the day. You could, you could, this theme of the day could essentially be revolving around educational outcomes, functional outcomes, all types of outcomes. And it may be that it's, it's directly a goal in an IEP or IFSP, or it may be that your IFSP or IEP goal is actually targeting the bigger activity or you know particular activity setting brushing teeth, bedtime routine, schoolwork, etc. Those activities can be supported by these goals. And so encourage those providers that you work with and the families that you work with to take the opportunity to think about how does this impact the child, the student, the family now? And is this at the top of the list? Is this something that has a big impact or is it a little impact? I personally like to target big impact activities that trickle down into other activities. So I, I often try to attack the biggest um, problems first. That's just the way my brain works. That doesn't mean everybody has to do that, but I like to go for what's the big picture and I start there and I work my way down. So that's just a little bit of a nugget there 
uh, maybe a tip for some people. If you can try to find ways to have big impacts, you may see more progress with this. Yeah, great point. And and being at home uh, really suggests really functional things. Um, we we may be parents may be prioritizing for you much more functional communication kinds of activities that they are are wanting direct instruction on at home or wanting some collaborative feedback on so that they can facilitate in the home. So, um, you know, there may be some shifts going on from academic to functional. Um, anyway, it's awesome, great points. So we're on the leave behinds here. Uh, we've said, you know, parents are living with those kids 24 seven these days and they would so appreciate you leaving some stuff behind for them or giving them some ideas of assignments that can be done um, when you are not present in their homes. So uh, we've talked several times about a cloud-based sort of Google Drive where you can dump assignments for them to access, um, sending materials through email, being on call on a limited and reasonable basis as consultants to parents about how to um, how to build communication rich environments in the home all all day long all week long um, checking in occasionally on students if you are not providing direct instruction um, that that's just a really nice thing to do from time to time it's it's comforting i think in in these stressful uncertain times for kids to see friendly faces like their speech language pathologists who they probably love. Um, it may be comforting for you to check in on those kids too and um, see how they're doing and talk about some familiar things. Um, generally collaborating with parents, we've talked that to death here. Um, having parents send videos or other pictures or artifacts of the work that they are doing at home that might be speech language based and and that you could build um, therapy sessions off of. You could use themes that parents suggest to you as well um, based off of those videos, pictures, artifacts that they might send. And we talked about this, we just talked about this academic and functional speech homework again parents may really ask you hey do you have anything for like the um i'm taking them for rides in the car just like around so we can get out of the house what are some communication activities that we could do in the car while we're just riding around because that time is sort of dead silence and i'd love to make it more productive speech focused maybe time so um, you could provide those kinds of things and all of these are ideas i think for you even if you're not providing that direct instruction and the next slide that comes up is uh, really focused for people that are not providing direct instruction speech services but these leave behinds are all things that you could do um, whether or not you are providing direct instruction. Tracy, anything further on that one? I have, I have so many thoughts on how to create leave behinds, how to create opportunities for parents to engage, whether that's creating a social media channel, 
to a Pinterest page to using Google Classroom. And basically you allow people to have access to that as they want. We all know parents can go from the spectrum of engagement, whereas some parents are literally trying to stay alive, right? They may have full-time jobs. They're trying to keep their kids alive. This is extremely unprecedented for everyone. Some people's jobs think they should just keep working full-time like nothing has changed, but that they have children at home that they are supposed to care for. So some parents may not have the capacity to literally do anything and understanding and accepting that, you know, that's the truth. Other parents have this huge white space, this massive runway where they've, they're going to, they've taken this and said, I want to, to be this full-time teacher. And they've gone, you know, complete other end of the spectrum and they are scheduling every minute of every day with some activity for this child and little Johnny's just you know got you know all the all the possible activities he could get in a one-on-one format and so you've got full spectrum there I think one of the coolest opportunities here is for us to you know be able to provide parents with an engagement that is best for them and so structuring a social media page or a a speech therapist page if you have one on your in your curriculum or in your um, district figuring out a way to allow people and, and even if you just send the link out once a week hey i updated my page here's the link grab something that you see interesting there's so many ways to do this without making parents feel guilty if they can't because as a parent I know I am not doing as much as I want to do with my kids because I am working so much. My wife takes on way more than she should in this relationship on that parenting front and educating our students or our children. And and it's, it really, you know, it really is something that bothers me. So I've tried to work harder at being more engaged with, with them when I can, but I am very busy. So there are, there are some, you know, tugs and pulls there that we have to acknowledge from a parent's perspective. And so while we we want parents to be able to do as much as they they can, we also have to acknowledge there may be limitations on bandwidth and other things that we may not even understand. But all the things that we've listed here would be helpful, and I'm sure other people have have even you know other uh, other items they could add. So I'll leave it at that for now. But I just wanted to throw that little caveat in. Yeah, a great point. Uh, two really great points there, Tracy. That yeah, some parents are are truly trying to stay alive, that they um, have taken on extra jobs and, or they they just really don't have the capacity for whatever reason to be accessing these kinds of materials. And um, the other thing that, that you sort of suggested is this is another place where we'd love to hear from people about what other kinds of things they are leaving behind or in what formats they are leaving things behind for parents to work on. Mm-hmm. So um, an, another great, yeah, indirect services. So we've talked a lot about these actually through this whole episode of Teletalk. Um, some some work packets, many of you are, are doing that. Um, a shared Google Drive, exchanging videos. Um, and directing parents to some online resources, um, some of which I'm going to show you on the next slide. Anything more to add there, Tracy? I guess no. Oh, no. Sorry. Um, no, I, I feel like we, we covered most of that yeah. in the slide before. Right. We have. We've covered most of that. So here are some resources. My website, uh, 
uh, has many resources, particularly in the COVID section, and particularly these two resources, the North Carolina Remote Learning Resources Supplemental Optional Remote Learning um, are just, it's packed full. The DPI consultants have, um, have collected resources for you to use, for educators to use, for parents to use. I mean, those those two resources there are just chock full. I mean, you you could spend hours sorting through them, um, finding resources, uh, therapy ideas, places to go for uh, video tours of museums and video tours of aquariums and zoos. I mean, there are so many resources there. The um, DPI regular education and special education consultants have spent a great deal of time collecting those resources for you to use, anyone to use, anyone across the country. They are not limited to North Carolina people and they are not limited to educators. They are public domain available to um, parents teachers, everybody. And then um, particularly for parents, but also for special educators and related service providers, the ECAC, Exceptional Children's Assistance Center, has been super great in putting up a ton of resources also for parents um, for this uh, strangest of all times. Uh, to support them and give them ideas. Um, they also have call lines and are available to talk to parents. So um, ECAC is another golden source for not only parents, but for you to access as well. Tracy, you have anything more? So I was going to try to put an acronym to that um, North Carolina remote learning. So it's the... <laughs> We like to, you know, we like our acronyms, N-C-R-L-R-S-O-R-L-R-S-D <laughs> section of the website. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, so okay, actually, that... actually, those are two resources there, the North Carolina Remote Learning Resources, um, and then the Supplemental Optional Remote Learning Resources for our Students with Disabilities. That didn't separate very well, but, but you do see a break in the underline there. Um, there are two, like different, two different resources. You'll see them on the on my website in the COVID section. They are separated really well there. They, <laughs> they didn't separate very well. Uh, sorry, well, you ruined my joke. So I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry to burst your um, Okay, so after Perry's burst my bubble, I'm going to go back to being serious. And the only thing I have to add is... Uh, I want to do a book of the day and a tip of the day. And Perry and I kind of talked about this. And one book that I feel like has a high level of impact that is available and easy to get and easy to read for most people, to, no matter their educational level. So this would be great for parents, um, obviously therapists. It's called Mindset, M-I-N-D-S-E-T by Carol Dweck. It is a book that focuses on the growth mindset perspective, and it is a little redundant within the book when you're reading it, but it does a really good job of bringing to light some of these concepts of having a growth mindset, both with you and your own life and the people you work with. So I really like that book. The other is a podcast called Good Kids 
and that's from a company called Lemonada Media, like a lemon, L-E-M-O-N-A-D-A. If you look up Lemonada Media, they have some other really cool podcasts they're coming out with. They are uh, a very down-to-earth the media development company that is starting to roll out some really interesting podcasts that are focused on just wellness in general, whether it be focused on kids or family or just in general. So definitely worth a check there. Um, but that's it. That's all I have. Yeah. Well, so uh, we'll wind up this second episode then of Teletalk by thanking you for joining us, whether you've joined us for the video version of it or the audio only version of it. As we said, uh, you can look for us on uh Spotify and Apple podcasts in the near future. And we hope this has been useful for you. We, the reason we are doing it is to be useful for you. And so if you have input to us, you can certainly be in touch with me at um, my email address. And uh, we are interested to hear from you and what kinds of resources will be helpful to you in the future. We have um, several actually planned already for the future um, ideas that we've been given from um, some of our close confidants and uh, we appreciate that feedback and uh, just thank you for being with us and thank you for all that you're doing for the kids that you're serving and the parents that you are supporting through these um, most difficult of times once again we um, want to acknowledge the first responders. Some of you may be first responders on a part-time basis, and uh, we appreciate so much how, how those people are helping all of us to stay safe in these times. And we thank you for what you're doing for kids, for all kids and all parents. So um, take care, and we'll have a new episode for you in the next few days, probably. Take care. Take care, everybody. Thank you. Hey everyone, thank you for listening. We hope you liked what you heard today. So please share, like, comment, and send to your friends and colleagues. We want to grow this podcast and make sure that we're able to reach as many people as possible and give as much valuable content as possible. Don't forget to check out Perry's website by Googling his name or checking the notes section. You could also check out enablemychild.com as it relates to telehealth support services and telehealth solutions. We hope you have a great day and thank you once again 